2 John. The elder to the chosen lady and her children, whom I love in the truth. And not only, uh, not I only, but also all who know the truth. Because of the truth which lives in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, will be with us in truth and love. It has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as the Father commanded us. And now, dear lady, I am not writing you a new command, but one we have had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. Many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch out that you do not lose what you have worked for, but that you may be rewarded fully. Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not take him into your house or welcome him. Anyone who welcomes him shares in his wicked work. I have much to write to you, but I do not want to use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to visit you and talk with you face to face so that our joy may be complete. The children of your chosen sister send their greetings. Well, this evening, because it is the first one, uh, first of all, I'm just thrilled there are so many of you here. Uh, John and I had the same uh, thought as we came. We didn't know whether the chairs would be empty. Uh, So we're very uh, grateful to the Lord and to you that uh, you've come along uh, to this service this evening. But because it's the first one, uh, I'm going to take a few minutes uh, now um, just to talk a little bit about what we're trying to do uh, in this service. And we'll uh, tackle tonight's, uh, or the first of a three-part series we're going to be kicking off with Uh, about belonging to St. John's, and we'll have some questions, and then we'll finish as promised, God willing, by 8 o'clock and no later. Uh, So let me say a little bit about uh, Rooted and what we're trying uh, to do. Hopefully, uh, there we go, things will appear. Uh, Well, the uh, name comes from a verse in Paul's letter to the Colossians. Uh, where he speaks to these, uh, the believers in Colossae and says, for those of you who have received Christ Jesus as the Lord, uh, he wants them to be rooted and built up in him and strengthened in the faith as they were taught. So this is a service uh, where, as the name suggests, we want to work on the roots of our faith. We want to nourish them. We want to encourage them so that the Christian life that comes forth from there Uh, will be strong and full of integrity and depth and joy. It is a service where uh, we are going to give ourselves to be strengthened in the Christian faith, rooted and strengthened. Those are words that come to the heart of what we're trying to do. Uh, What is this service? Uh, Well, this sentence 
has a lot packed into it as to what we're trying to achieve. Uh, it'll be an hour long, term time. Uh, those are fairly straightforward. Uh, in other words, there's the time limit which we've set ourselves. Uh, preachers beware. Uh, and uh, it is something that will only happen uh, in school term time. Uh, but modular is the next word. Uh, and by that, what I mean is that we'll uh, give ourselves to certain topics and we'll take uh, one evening perhaps or three or even five weeks or so uh, to look at a particular issue. Uh, and then, uh, so if that's something of particular interest to you, the idea is uh, that you can uh, pop in for that evening or that season, but don't feel you have to come every week. Because this is a service that isn't going to meet every Sunday of the year, uh, we want to encourage everyone who comes, we'll never turn anyone away, but we want everyone who comes to have already been to church on Sunday. Now, I know some of you aren't going to do that, and uh, I can't force you, but because we're not meeting every week, this isn't designed to be your main diet. This is designed to be something uh, where we look at particular issues across a whole range of subjects. We'll look at controversial ethical issues. We'll look at some doctrinal issues. Uh, we'll look at questions uh, that our culture is asking uh, and look at how we can uh, answer those uh, with uh, Christian thinking behind them. Uh, but it is modular. It's topical. Uh, and again, that's a reason for encouraging you to see this uh, as a second service. In our morning service, uh, we give ourselves to what we call expository preaching. And don't worry too much if you don't uh, understand the word. What that means is uh, we take a book of the Bible and we work through it. Because we believe that God the Holy Spirit has inspired the Bible to be in just the form that it is. And that is 66 books of a whole variety of kinds, two-thirds before Jesus came, a third afterwards. We've got letters, you've got uh, the biographies of Jesus and the gospel, you've got poetry and so on. Uh, and that's the way God gave it to us. And so in the morning we work through, we're currently working through the gospel of Matthew, although we've paused uh, now to do uh, a series on giving. But our general diet is working through the Bible, book by book, uh, over time. And in this service, we're going to take a, 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 a complementary approach to look at some topics. Now, that's great as a supplement. I don't think it's brilliant as the primary way to get fed by God's word. That it can be really helpful to draw the teaching of the Bible together on different topics, different areas, uh, when we want to look at one subject or one uh, theme uh, together. So modular, topical, uh, a teaching service. The focus is going to be very much... Uh, on listening to the Word of God and exploring it together with an integrated question and answer time. So, uh, unlike our morning services, in this service, you get the chance to speak as well, and we all get the chance to hear each other. Uh, that, that might be mainly questions, but it might also be your reflections, your comments, your contributions. That is very much something that we want to bake in to this service. So there'll be a, a teaching time and then a question and answer time and then we'll finish. So uh, just on some practical issues, um, we're not live streaming this service. Uh, that is deliberate, uh, but we are recording it and uh, we will make the recordings available and the, uh, the slides available afterwards. Um, we hope over time to build up a bit of a resource uh, with that, so that if you want to come back and look at a particular topic or question, uh, you, uh, which we've covered maybe a year ago, uh, it'll be there for you uh, to follow up. Uh, it is a deliberately low maintenance service. Now, 
The reason for that is that in our morning service, uh, we have wonderful teams of people, but none of them are quite big enough. We need some more welcomers. We could do with some more people on the AV team. Uh, We could do with some more people who teach our children and young people. And in restarting this service, uh, the one thing I didn't want to do was take anybody away who was serving in the morning uh, and bring them to the evening, because that would be robbing Peter to pay Paul. Uh, And what we can't do is weaken our morning service. Uh, Because again, as we discovered, those of you who are here this morning, um, God has brought growth recently to the morning service. And we were too full in this room. Last time we were in this room, we weren't. Uh, And so we don't want to do anything to distract uh, from what God is doing in that service. Or to make the most servant-hearted and committed of you feel, gosh, I need to serve there as well. And then you just feel weary. So we don't want that. So... Um, That's why uh, we've got a skeleton AV team. Uh, We'll be having the service led by the clergy. We're paid to do this, after all. Uh, But, having said that, um, we we are very open to ways in which we can encourage others to be involved. As long as you don't stop doing what you're doing in the morning, in which case it'll be a short conversation. But I'd love to get live music. Uh, It's great having music from uh, St. Paul's Castle Hill because it's a church in Sydney Diocese, uh, but I'd rather have music made by people of St. John's Hartford. Uh, So if we can get a music group together in the evening that doesn't in any way take away from the morning, brilliant, I'd love that. If we could get some people who would serve refreshments, you know what I'm going to say, without taking away from the morning, uh, then I'd love us to be able to serve tea and coffee from about uh, half six, quarter to seven, so that we can have... Uh, some caffeine to stimulate our minds as we're meeting uh, here together. So I'll leave that with you. If you want to come to me and say, I really want to do this and I'm not going to take away from the morning, then we'll have a conversation and we'll see how we can develop. There may be other ways in which we can develop things too, but those are two early things it would be lovely to see a development in. Uh, And then we're going to break the pattern periodically um, from a fundamentally teaching service Uh, to go all the way to the other end and have a praise service. And we've got the first one of those planned for Palm Sunday, uh, where there will be a message, but it'll be a a short message in the context of a service of praise, and particularly preparing for Easter on that one. We'll say more about that uh, in uh, the coming weeks. Anyway, I hope that gives you something of a flavour of what we're trying to do in this service. And uh, hopefully that will encourage you to come back and uh, join us here again. But I do want to take some time now uh, to introduce the, uh, the first of this three-week uh, series on Welcome to St. John's. What does it mean to belong to the St. John's Church family? Uh, does anyone know what our church motto is? I'm hoping you all do, but does anyone know? Shout, shout it out, someone. Thank you. Walking in truth, living in love. That's good. Uh, We launched that 12 years ago, and uh, it it was uh, uh, something that was very much on my heart then, and it still is now. So we're going to be just introducing that this evening. Uh, And then the next two weeks, um, it's not rocket science, next time we'll do uh, walking in truth. Uh, And can you guess what we'll do on week three? We'll do living in love. So we'll go deeper on uh, truth and love and what that means Uh, because of who God is and what that means as we seek to live faithfully as his people here uh, in those uh, second two weeks. And those second two weeks uh, will be, in part at least, shaped by what you say tonight uh, when we have the question 
uh, time a little bit later. And as I said this morning, we will plan a series later in the year uh, under the title, Welcome to the Church of England. Um, in that one, I really won't be surprised if no one comes, but no, I shouldn't, I shouldn't say that, should I? But that, that's where we'll explore synods and bishops and councils and articles and the history and Cranmer and all that stuff. Um, so we'll do that later because that's a big thing. It's an important thing. And, um, uh, but this, this three weeks is about what does it mean to belong here to this church family uh, and finding our feet and playing a part. Um, so our church family motto is, Walking in truth, living in love. Uh, does anyone know where the first half of that, the walking in truth, comes from? There's a particular Bible verse. I'll give you a clue. It was read before the whole letter. So, uh, someone want to shout out a verse number? Yeah, I do have it open. So, we're going to be looking at the, we're thumbing through the Bible a bit this evening. So, 2 John, uh, verse 6. Uh, well, there's the language of walking, so that's, that, that's half right, Lewis. Um, verse, four. verse 4, thank you very much, walking in the truth. And uh, I'll put that, and in fact, the, the exact phrase um, comes in the authorised version, uh, thy children walking in truth. Uh, extra points for this one, because it's not in 2 John. What about living in love? Anyone want to have a stab at that? I won't give you long on that one because I'm not expecting you to guess it. Uh, but if you turn back a page to 1 John chapter 4, verse 16, and the second half of that verse, you'll see it says, uh, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. So it's not the exact phrase, but it's near enough. Whoever lives in love lives in God. So live, lives in God, living, as, uh, living in, lives in love, living in in love. That's where our uh, church motto comes from. Uh, so it is straight out of the scriptures, uh, particularly the writings of John, uh, but it's much bigger even than John. Uh, so what I'd like you to do is, if you've got your Bible, uh, turn back to Exodus chapter 32. Exodus chapter 32. So big picture, uh, God has given Moses the Ten Commandments, he's gone up Mount Sinai, uh, he's received the Ten Commandments, he's received a number of other laws that uh, go through them and apply them, and all the while that Moses has been up on the mountain meeting with God, getting the Ten Commandments, well Aaron, his brother, has been leading the people down at the base of the mountain into wickedness. They've created an idol to worship, uh, they've got involved in uh, sexual immorality, uh, they have just rejected God, uh, all the while keeping the language of religion, and they have turned away from him entirely. So it's not good. Uh, and as we come into Exodus uh, chapter uh, 32, if you just look at verse 10, we're going through the whole thing, but I just want to put this in context uh, for you. The Lord says, leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them and I may destroy them. Then I will make you, he says to Moses, into a great nation. But, Exodus 32, verse 11, Moses sought the favor of the Lord his God. O Lord, he said, why should your anger burn against your people whom you brought out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? 
So this was the moment when the people of Israel were nearly obliterated because of their sin. But Moses intercedes and God is gracious. He hears the prayer. Well, then we won't pause in there. We go into chapter 33. Uh, then uh, Moses uh, is still wrestling with the Lord. Now the Lord says, Exodus 33, verse 3, Go up into the land flowing with milk and honey. So I'm not going to destroy you, the Lord says. But So off you go to the promised land. But, look at that same verse, Exodus 33, verse 3, I will not go with you because you're a stiff-necked people and I might destroy you on the way. So we've moved a little bit. God isn't going to destroy them for their sin, but neither is he going to go with them. Well, then the story uh, continues. Uh, And in the end, the Lord relents. Verse 14 of Exodus 33, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Because Moses is persistent. Exodus 33, 15, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. So you get the story? Uh, The people have drastically sinned at the bottom of the mountain. First, God was going to destroy them. Then he relents. Then he wasn't going to go with them. And then he relents as Moses intercedes. And then we come to the summit of the encounter. Exodus 34 now, verse 18. I'm sorry it's a whiz through, but I just need to give you the big picture. So Exodus 34, uh, verse uh, 18. And Moses says... Show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. And I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. So that was 33, verse 18 uh, and 19. 33, verse 8. I wrote that down wrongly. Uh, 33, 18 and 19. Uh, So Moses says, you've got to go with us. Don't destroy your people. But now we want to know you. Show me your glory, he says. Uh, And the Lord's answer, uh, verse 19, sorry, Exodus 33, verse 19. uh, Moses says, show me your glory. The Lord says, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. And I will proclaim my name, the Lord. That's the personal name of God. uh, The revelation of his character. Whenever you see that word Lord in capitals in the Old Testament, it means this is the Lord revealing his character. I will have mercy on him, I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on him, I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see my face and live. Well, a little bit further on, um, he tells him to hide in the rock, um, and now we're in chapter 34, verse 5. And this is the, uh, the part I really want you to focus on. The Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with Moses and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation. Those three words at the end of verse six, love and faithfulness. And the older translation were translated as love and truth. Truth, faithfulness. This is a God who keeps his promises. Love. This is the God who didn't blot out the Israelites when they deserved it, but who instead went with them on their way and who showed them his forgiveness in spite of their sin. This is the God of love and faithfulness. 
Well, now turn with me to John chapter 1. I want you to see why love and truth are so central in the character of the God we know in Jesus Christ. And therefore, why they are so central to our identity here in this church. So you found it now, New Testament, John chapter 1. Who is Jesus? John chapter 1 verse 14. He is the Word who became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory. That's interesting, isn't it? Moses said, show me your glory. And the Lord said, you'll be blotted out, so hide in the rock. John says, we've seen his glory. The glory of the one and only God who came from the Father. And what was he full of? Grace and truth. Or love and faithfulness. See, this is the one God, the creator God, the redeemer God, the God who revealed himself to Moses and who has now come in the person of Jesus Christ. And who is God? If you boil him right down to his essential character, he's the God of love and faithfulness. He's the God of love, uh, of grace and truth. And so John, uh, John the, uh, the Baptist, uh, testifying uh, in the Gospel of John the Apostle, and we had the reading before from John the Associate Vicar, altogether too many Johns. Anyway, uh, John 1.15, John the Baptist testifies concerning him. This is he of whom I said he, he comes after me, has surpassed me, because he was before me. Of course he was before me. He was there with Moses, revealing himself on the mountain. He's the eternal God. He never changes. He's always full of love and faithfulness, grace and truth. And verse 16, from the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another, or literally, uh, grace instead of grace. That is, it was gracious what God did in Moses' day. And it's even more gracious what God has done in our day with the coming of Jesus. For the law was given through Moses, that was an act of grace, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And verse 18, what does it mean? No one has ever seen God. But God, the one and only, the one who is at the Father's side, has made him known. Friends, can you begin to see why walking in truth and living in love is so central? This is who God is. He's the God who's drawn near to us, full of grace and truth, abounding in love and faithfulness. And the purpose of our church, of any church, is to know God. Uh, and uh, as we know him, caught up there. There we go. As we know him, we praise him. Uh, does anyone recognise where that uh, last verse came from? Jolly well ought to if you're awake. Which psalm? One hundred. We said it, didn't we? We said it earlier in our service. Uh, so look at how, what the psalmist praises God for: His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues. So the God, the people of God have always known and praised the God of grace and truth. Uh, this is who we know. And therefore, this is who we are. It describes the God we know, and it describes uh, what uh, the way in which uh, he wants us uh, to live. That will go a little bit faster here. Um, so we've had... Uh, in John's second letter, the grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father. 
uh, and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, who comes to be with us in truth and love. Uh, that is, the God who makes himself known has always made himself known uh, in truth and love. Makes himself known in grace, uh, that is, uh, forgiveness for the guilty, in mercy, uh, his love to the needy, uh, and in peace. Well, we deserve judgment as the enemies of God. He comes to make peace with us through his blood shed on the cross. And, and so, because that is uh, the gospel, uh, it also describes our response to the gospel. Just come back to 2 John, uh, and I promise we won't move again uh, from here. Your fingers can relax once you get to Second John. We won't go through the whole letter tonight, but I just want you to notice the language that John uses, uh, particularly in the first half of the letter, uh, in describing his relationship with his fellow Christians. Uh, and he's writing, uh, based at this point, the Apostle John in one congregation, um, which he calls a chosen lady. Um, chosen lady is a way of describing the church, and the children of the chosen lady are the children of the church, that's us. So our chosen lady is St. John's Hartford. We're the children of that church. He uses that familial language. And we know that's what he means because at the end of the letter, he talks about this chosen lady having a chosen sister. So he's talking about two congregations under this language of being chosen ladies. Um, Unusual language, even in the New Testament. But that seems to be the most obvious uh, meaning of it. So, So we are children of the church as John was. And look at the way he relates to his fellow Christians. Uh, I'll just read again slowly from verse, uh, verses 1 and 2. Uh, listen for our key words. To the chosen lady and her children, whom I love in the truth. And not only I only, but also all who know the truth. Because of the truth which lives in us and will be with us forever. In other words, the foundation of their relationship as Christians was in the truth and love of God and Jesus. He now related to them as brothers and sisters because the truth and love of Jesus held them together. Or if you look the other side uh, from verse 4, it has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth. I'll explore next week uh, the richness of what he means by truth. Just as the Father commanded us, but this is the truth of Jesus, the truth of the gospel, the truth of God's word. It's given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as the Father commanded us. And now, dear lady, I'm not writing you a new command, but one we have had from the beginning, I ask that we love one another. Isn't that striking? So here is God, truth and love. Here are Christians... And what marks us out as distinct and what unites us? Well, we're the people who walk in truth and live in love, in our relationships with each other. So we relate to God, who is truth and love, by expressing truth and love in our relationships with one another. And this is love, verse 6, that is love for God, that we walk in obedience to his commands. So there's no authentic Christianity that doesn't involve actually loving one another in the church and actually living under and speaking the truth of God's word in Jesus. Whatever else you might have, if it hasn't got truth and love in it, it's not a Christian church. 
because it's out of obedience to the Father, out of love for him, that we walk in these ways. So walking in truth, living in love, both of them, the walking and living, are words of progression, aren't they? We haven't arrived. We've all got more loving to do. We've all got more truth to learn. But being on that journey together, having the God who is grace and truth, and loving each other, encouraging one another with the truth of God's word, that's what makes us the people of St. John's Hartford. Well, I promised you question time, and we've got 15 minutes. So John is going to come and take a microphone. There was more I was going to say, but I won't now, as I... Yes, we'll just leave that. Um, John's got the walkabout. So you can ask me any questions you want, or John, um, which is even better, um, about what we're doing or about these big concepts. Um, and because we've just done a quick whistle-stop introduction this week, uh, it'll be the next two weeks when we're going to really try and apply this practically of what these things look at. So don't be too frustrated if you think, well, it's all very theoretical. Um, This is foundation this week, but uh, now is the chance for you to ask any questions. If you don't, it'll be a 45-minute service, and that's okay too. Uh, But uh, And remember, now is the time if you want to give me things you want me to cover as well in the rest of this. I can see the curate's itching. (laughs) Yeah, the the, the curate can itch for slightly longer. Let's see if if anybody else can... uh, There we go, Rodney. Not profound. It's just a practical thing. Does um, uh, term time exclude the half terms? In other words, we, we carry on meeting right through the term, do we? We have said, I think, that we're going to stop at half terms as well. So yes, only only in school term time. Oh, because mm. that's a rather debatable period. Well, yes. I mean, what we've done is we've set ourselves up with an initial pattern. We're going to review that pattern as we go along. But certainly initially we're going to be meeting until Palm Sunday and then not for two weeks? Three weeks? Oh, it is two weeks, I think, isn't it? It's three Sundays. Is it three Sundays? Sure. Anyway, I think, no, I think John's right. John's usually right. Yeah, three Sundays and then we'll be back for the summer term. <laughs> Could you expand on uh, 1 John uh, chapter 3 verse uh, 18? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue but with actions and in truth yes absolutely and when we come to explore what it means to live in love that that's precisely one of the places we'll go so uh, love is not as john says um i mean i I don't think he means that we shouldn't uh, say kind things to one another uh, but he means we shouldn't just say kind things to one another so authentic love in the christian church is is more than verbal and, and that's what John is saying there, isn't it? That, uh, that we actually walk alongside one another when we're in tough times uh, and are there to show practical care for each other. And that that's what people see. So when Jesus says, uh, this is how all men will know that you are my disciples because they love one another, I don't think he's got in mind that we say kind things to each other. I think he means look at the difference that their lives have made and the way that they care practically for each other. Uh, so that's yes, absolutely what John means. Did you want to go? For, did you want to come back on that? Or no? no? Okay, that's fine. No, thank you. <laughs> Robin, over here. Yeah. Um, how 
how do we understand how truth and love relate? Because in like Exodus, we see they're almost opposed. God, mm. truth means I wipe you out. Love means I don't. Yes. Do we hold them in tension? Do we hold them... Yeah, how, how, do they, how do they interrelate? No, I think that's a really helpful question. And I, I, I toyed with that a bit for this evening and some of the material I didn't use um, because there's a sense in which you're right. The truth uh, reveals, doesn't it? It reveals our guilt and our need and that we're enemies of God. And it's the grace that comes in and, and shows us grace, mercy and peace. But actually truth is bigger than that. Um, I, that is definitely part of it. And we'll explore that when we come to... Uh, to week three, because Jesus promises the Holy Spirit will come and convict the world of truth of uh, its sin. So there's there's definitely uh, the Holy Spirit has a particular ministry uh, of convicting us of our guilt and need before God. Absolutely, but there's also a more a, more, a broader sense that that that's one aspect of God's truth telling, which also includes His faithfulness to His promises, and therefore is much bigger than simply. A convicting thing, but is also a reassuring thing. So that, in spite of my sinful heart, uh, you know, um, one John two, my brothers, I write these things to you so that we will not sin. But if anyone sins, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defence. So the truth of God's word also says to me, as a sinner, uh, that the grace of the gospel will never expire. So. So there is both convicting and sustaining power, for example, in the truth of God's word. Uh, so yes, at a narrow level, perhaps conflicting, but I think stepping back, uh, we'd, we'd want to say in the end, ultimately, uh, God is one, Jesus is one, there is no conflict ultimately between truth and love in the person of God or in the person of Christ. He's not at war with himself. So in the end, there is absolute harmony, but at certain aspects of each of those, Characters may appear to us to be contradictory, or at least intention. I'm happy for you to come back if you want another go. Is that good enough for? Okay, <laughs> thank you, Robin. So another religious professional. I have to be very careful here. My <laughs> good, thank you. All right, next. Come on, otherwise we'll have to let James ask a question, and he'll be really difficult. Give the microphone to James. Go on. Let's see. Let's see where he's, let's see where the brother's going to go. <laughs> well, I, I, thank you. Um, I was just interested to know how, uh, if you've done any thoughts on on how uh, John's thinking on truth and love sort of plays out, particularly in the view of verses ten and eleven, um, the greeting, sure. and the long greeting, and that. Well, no, and I, I did say we'd only do the first half, but if you look at the second half of two John. Uh, if you've still got that open, uh, what's really striking is once once one goes, the other goes too. You have to hold truth and love together uh, in terms of authentic Christian uh, fellowship. So, uh, verse 7, many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh, in other words, people who deny the truth of God's revelation in Jesus, in this particular case, the truth of the incarnation, but I think one might extend more generally to the rejection of God's uh, self-revelation in Christ and in his word. Uh, well, such a person is the deceiver and the antichrist, not very synodical language, uh, but the net effect of the rejection of truth uh, is that one can no longer show um, the sort of love 
that implies we all still really belong together and believe the same thing, which is why you get to verses uh, 10 and 11. Don't take such a person uh, into your house, uh, by which I take it John means the house where the church meets. So don't offer this person a, a formal welcome, because if you do, you'll share in his wicked work. So, so once truth is uh, rejected, there cannot be authentic Christian love shown. The two come together. Which is one of the reasons, if I just wanted to do... Um, if I, was going to, I was going to show you this slide earlier on. Um, one of the reasons I think this is so helpful, just in terms of um, working out where we are and where we need to continue in repentance and to grow in our discipleship, is thinking about what happens when you have one and not the other or an over an emphasis on one compared to the other. So we can all think of churches, probably, those of us who've been around a bit, where, where truth is central. Uh, and, and there's no heresy of any kind, never a word out of place uh, from the sermon. Uh, and yet, um, there's a coldness and a harshness. And were you to be caught out in a sin in such a church you probably would never dare to show your face again because you wouldn't, you wouldn't be sure that there'd be much mercy shown. So, and I'm caricaturing a bit, but there, it's possible to be very strong on truth but quite light on love. Well, it's also possible to do it the other way around. Uh, there's great empathy and fellow feeling and everybody's welcome, absolutely, but we're a bit embarrassed by some of the truth claims of the Bible, whether it's the uniqueness of Jesus or some of the ways in which repentance would make us live differently from our culture around us. Uh, and there, well, you haven't really got anything in either of those, I would say, that's fully authentically Christian. So it's something where, to cycle back to, to James's point, actually, and, and actually a little bit on Robin's point as well, it's, it's not that ultimately they're contradicting each other, but... But each one, I think, causes us to ask different questions about where we are individually and as a church. We can never be too truthful or too loving, but we can allow one to... Just wait for the microphone. Who's got the microphone? Robin wants to say something. It's being recorded, dear brother, so we don't want to miss your pearls of wisdom. Yes. Which, which is St. John's Hartford more likely to forget? <laughs> I think that's it. Which tendency do we, does this church tend towards? I, I think that's a really good question. And I'd be really interested to know from the people who've been here a while um, what, what you think about that. I, I think we can fail both ways, if I'm honest. Um, I would suspect, and, and, and you know, I would love to, please, if, I, if you think I've got this wrong, please tell me. But I, I think from the front, you, you're unlikely ever to hear much heresy. At St. John's Hartford. I think we're pretty tight on the Bible and we're, we're pretty clear with our children's and youth work and our home groups and things. You know, we, we're Bible people. Um, so I, I think, if anything, I think probably that would be the area I'd worry about less, probably. But then we also swim in the Church of England and there's constant temptation to soften the, um, the clearer passages of Scripture. So I worry about that. Um, equally, I think we're quite mixed. So I, I can think of some 
well, for instance, some of, the, some of the small groups in our church that do a stunning job of caring for people who are going through tough times. I know other people who've slipped through the cracks. So I think your answer to that question might depend very much on your own engagement with it. And I, but I'd be really interested if you, know, if you think there's a more prevailing, uh, uh, um, besetting sin that we need to deal with. And, and I want to hear that. We've probably got time for one more, one more, maybe two more questions. Mike, old hand of St. John's Hartford, so tell us your thoughts. <laughs> well, firstly, uh, thank you to all of those that have set this up this evening. Um, I welcome this sort of approach, and I just hope that it's successful. Mm. You've just mentioned the Church of England. Can you avoid getting, or do you wish to get into the articles and the catechism, for argument's sake? <laughs> because it seems you can substitute uh, walking in truth to actually saying what I believe. Yeah. And the articles are mm. a, a pretty clear statement of what we believe. Absolutely. And we will get back to them. I'm looking forward to a 39-week series in the, uh, in the articles. We have, we have done it in the past, although <laughs> I, I was kind to you the last time we did it, and we took 10 years to do a 39-part series last time, so we won't do them all at once, or there really will be nobody left. But no, absolutely, the, 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 the articles are, are a wonderful, faithful expression of, of, Christian, of biblical Christian faith, um, carefully thought through and, and compiled, and that they're still our doctrine in the Church of England. Uh, formally, and they certainly are here. Um, so yes, we will explore them um, in, a, in a future series of these, absolutely. But you're right, the truth uh, does stand for that which we, we've inherited in the scriptures and which you've articulated in the, the creeds and articles. John? Uh, I was just going to say, it's helpful to, to hear these questions, and, and particularly the question about how we see ourselves, actually, how yeah. we see ourselves. And um, I think I'd want to say at that point that well, I was, I was trying to work in a way of something about perception when mm. it comes to, to truth and love and how we perceive that yeah. from different places. Um, and so the question about how we think of our church is a, is a crucial one. And I think I'd want to say, you know, if you see things that are not truthful or not loving, certainly in, in, in us, but in our church family, mm. you know, there, there, there are... There are I mean, to, to, to sort of directly answer Robin's questions, people can say, "Well, I think that you know we're not going to do that in a too public a forum, but but do come and talk to us um, because it may be that Mike or I haven't noticed something in ourselves, and no one's yet mentioned it to us, um, or it may be that we're not aware of some something in in, in the wider church that we seek to live, you know, um, faithfully to this motto. So, so I think that's what, just what I'd, I'd want to say to that. Yeah. yeah. Any other questions? Yeah, we'll probably do, yeah, we'll do one more, Kevin. Uh, thanks, Mike. So this is quite a basic question. So I think I understand what you mean by truth. And you've referred to the 39 articles. So for the ordinary person in the street, how would you describe the truth that you're talking about and the Bible's addressing um, as against what most people would understand, like, is it true? So, you know, did you go to the football match on Saturday? 
uh, if you were in a court of law, promised to tell the truth, the whole truth. You know, so how, how, do you, how would you help someone who is struggling to understand what you actually mean by truth? Yes. That's a, that's a, really, that's a really thoughtful question, Kevin, and not at all simple. But uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I, just in terms of evangelistic conversation, I love to take people to the words of Jesus, if I possibly can. So... Well, there are much bigger answers to this. I'm conscious we're out of time, and I'll give you a short answer. So uh, one of the things we'll, we'll explore next time, three things that Jesus says in John's Gospel. And they're all things that I'd love to explore with someone who's asking what is truth. Um, well, the first thing is that question is there on the lips of Pontius Pilate, isn't it? So it, we're not the first generation to ask the question. And actually, one of the things we need to do is work out why someone's asking that question and how genuine it is, you know. Because Pilate, well, anyway. But what does Jesus say? Jesus uh, uh, says to his father, your word is truth. So, so Jesus says we can trust the Bible because it's God speaking and he doesn't lie. So if you want to know the one thing that you can really know is truthful, go to the Bible. But then Jesus says of himself, I am the truth. So actually, that's probably more where I'd start, to be honest. If, if you want to know a truthful person, the only truly truthful person in all of eternity, uh, it's Jesus. And that means he'll keep his promises. It means he knows who you are and what you're like. And I'd want to talk about the fact that he loves you at that point in spite of what you're like as well. But the other thing, of course, Jesus says is the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth and will lead you into all truth. So, so just within John's Gospel, um, for on the lips of Jesus... You've got some really suggestive ways in which we could talk to people about the scriptures, about Jesus, uh, and about what God is doing in us as he leads us uh, to know all truth. That do for a start? Okay, right. I'm gonna, I promised we'd finish by eight, and, and it's eight. So, um, there we go. Let's just... I'm just going to pray for us. And then we're going to say a prayer together, and then we'll finish. Lighten our darkness, Lord, and by your great mercy defend us from all peril and danger this night. For the love of your only Son, our Saviour Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And let's say the words of the grace together. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. 801. That's not bad. Um, Feel free to give me any feedback. Uh, If you didn't want to say it publicly, uh, send it to me on an email or something, and uh, we will work on this together. But thank you for coming, and uh, hopefully see you again next week.